Hey, thanks so much for pulling up a chair and joining us for Dinner Table Talks. We have a lot to talk about. You can always learn more and help us spread the word all across social media. Check out at our Dinner Table Talks on Facebook and Instagram. And for you Twitter users, at dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com or shoot us an email at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us at the table. Of course, my name is Aislinn, and with me is... Joe Hilliard. Hi. Hi, Joe. I am so glad to be sitting across this table from you today. Hello, everyone out there listening and sitting at the table with us. This is a lot of fun. We are enjoying it very much. And I like that there's been an opportunity maybe in the past to go back a little bit and kind of backtrack on some things. And so I wanted to do that here at the beginning because one of the things that I have said several times, and I got this number in my head because I was at having a conversation with a few people the other day and they said something crazy, which I actually started looking up and couldn't find any evidence of what they had said. But what they said was seven, there's 7 billion people on the planet right now. And there's going to be a plague in the next 20 years. That's going to knock us down to 1 billion people. Well, I couldn't find anywhere where it actually said that. So I'd be curious to know where that came from. But either way, 7 billion got stuck in my head. So I keep saying 7 billion. So in some of the past podcasts, you will have heard me said 7 billion people. Well, I'm not talking about America because America only has about 360 million people. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about how much McDonald's gets eaten and da, 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 whatever, we're talking about 360 million people. And on the planet, we're talking about 7 billion people, right? Yes. So um, I also... And rising. Right. Well, and I, re- I, I pulled up an article from Reader's Digest. How many people are there in the world? It says, get this, you are one of approximately 7.6 billion people living on Earth right now, while just 170 million people made up the world's population 2,000 years ago. So we went from 170 people to 7.6 billion people in 2,000 years. The human race has exploded in centuries since. The United Nations estimates the global population grows at a rate of 250 people every minute. Wow. So every minute, 250 people are born. Well, no, 250 people are net on the world. So that means die, born, 250. In a minute, 250 more people are born than Than die. die. And it is expected to reach 11 billion by the year 2100. 11 11 billion in 180 years. Interesting, right? We we haven't needed a calculator prior to now to do this program. (laughs) And then, of course, it goes on to talk about which some of the things I think that we talk about and sometimes I think that maybe as Americans we don't think about. And that is that with a huge population, we're going to begin to have and we are beginning to see higher demands for our resources. Of course. Food and water and energy and all of those types of things. And waste. Where's our waste going to go and where with the land that we have? And, and as Texans, we don't really think about that a lot. Because wide we wide have, open spaces. We have so much space. Just yeah. buy another thing, put some more trash over there, and just keep growing it and growing it and growing it. I just thought, I, I, I've been talking about it so much that I just thought that it might be Fact an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, before we get on further into the, um, the show, I wanted to remind everyone, if you haven't gone back to episode one, or if you didn't start with episode one, then you should go back to episode one and listen so that you get an idea of what the whole point of this podcast is about. But right now we're around the dinner table and I want to talk about something that you talked about last week. Okay. 
it was an aside, and I made a joke that next 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 week we'll talk. We'll tell you just how many chickens get slaughtered. Well, I did look it up because I was oh, yeah. I was curious how many chickens uh, a year in America do we kill for, for food for 360 million people in America. And I thought I'd let you guess in one year. Correct. Six hundred million. I'm going to give you three chances. No. We're playing pl- prices Right. It's higher than that. I hate this game. It's higher than that. It's higher. It's higher than that. Yes. Okay, so there's 360 million people. Yes. And we're eating more than two chickens each per year. Oh, yeah, think about that. How many times do you eat chicken, and then how many chickens is made from that mass? So 360 million times... Where's the calculator? 10. So... 3.6 billion? 9 billion. We eat a lot of chicken. We eat a lot of chicken. Okay, let's move yeah, on. That's fun, though. Yeah. I would love it if you would tell me what was the big shining dish for you this week. What food really spoke to you this week? When we were at the farmer's market last Wednesday, and the way that you and I do it is you're there for work, and I show up, and then we shop together. There's no chance that I'm going to go to a farmer's market probably ever in my life where I'm not working. Understood. <laughs> And so we went over to one table, and I saw the weirdest... I didn't even know what the hell it was. It looked as if a two-and-a-half-inch diameter packing tube that was about three to four foot long had been all bent and gnarled up. And uh, I'll need your help with this. I lo- we bought it. Of course we did. And I learned that it was a tromboncino. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. You're totally taking my food. I thought, I thought that I might be. So maybe, yeah. we, maybe we can tag team this one. Yeah, because that, cause hey, I'm I have a no... farmer's market guru and that, and I grew uh, that squash. I, did, that was did my you, squash. You grew that one. Yes. Okay, well, you can talk about that. I'm going to talk about how we bought this squash. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what the hell are we going to do with this thing? And I wanted you to cook it immediately. And we, I think we kind of did. Yeah, we did. We came home now. That night and you made it. So we did that thing that you and I do. And that is that you went online and found a recipe and you said, this is the recipe. And then I made it. And and tonight at the farmer's market, they actually had more of them from that same plant. So that plant's really well producing. And and we're going to post on our social media, tromboncino squash and a picture of Aislinn and I when we bought this thing. But we, you gave me the recipe for a winter squash soup. And that was my favorite meal of the week. Not just because it was delicious. And it was. But because I just enjoy the challenge of that here's a new thing here is the recipe make it our own call me in when you need me or call me in when you need me to taste something and it was just a smashing success now i would when we looked at those recipes one of the things that i learned about that vegetable is that you can eat it as a young summer squash right so green Uh with the you know pick it today eat it tonight yeah uh well no the even the idea of like if anybody knows about like a crookneck squash, one of those yellow squash, or a zucchini for that matter, right? That's a summer squash. Okay. That's a squash that you eat the peel. It's not going to be hard. It's not generally referred to as a summer squash compared to something like an acorn squash or a butternut squash that has like a thick, hard peel on the outside or pumpkin for that matter. And, and in those situations, those you can are, let those... Those are what? Winter squash? They're winter squash. Okay. And they're, they've got a hard core on the you, outside. You know so, that when you... If you peel in the kitchen, yeah. you know you know the difference. And that I know, like a spaghetti squash, a butternut squash, any of those winter, traditional winter squashes, you wouldn't eat them green. You would only eat them after, when they... After they've aged? Yep. Sat on the shelf for a little Same while? Same thing. Pumpkin, you wouldn't eat it green. Because we'll buy a butternut squash and I... There's there's butternut squash literally there sitting in months, there right now. And, and it's and, still going to be good when we right, cook it. Because we can buy 
fry those and then like kind of store them. Uh-huh. Right. But this particular squash you can eat either way, which I think is really, really cool because you can eat it while the plant is doing really well and get it green and, or you can let some of them, or you can get to a point kind of like you do with beans, you know, you can pick beans green. Right. And then you, but you can also let them go dry and then you have dried beans. It's the same bean, uh-huh. pinto bean. You can eat it green or you can eat it Black as a dried... Black peas, you get those dry in a bag. Right, exactly. So, you know, so, so anyways, that's pretty So cool. you sent me the recipe for winter squash soup. I got busy yeah. and we made a delicious soup together. And I was, since we know the answer to the same question that I'll ask you in a little while, let me just talk about the recipe and what we did to it. First of all, the recipe called for three vegetable bouillon cubes. And we don't use bouillon cubes in our house. So I used chicken stock. I have some vegetable stock in the freezer, but I, did, I had... Fr- why, why don't we use bouillon cubes? Why? We have discussed this several times in a couple of past episodes, and that is that, number one, we like to be in control of the food that we eat, meaning I don't know what's in that bouillon cube, and I know that it's filled with salt, and I know that it's not the delicious broth of a chicken that we used or or a vegetable stock that we have made. When you and I make a stock, when you and I make a broth, we know exactly what's in it, and we know that it's fresh and delicious. The bouillon cubes, I mean... But also, I I mean... That's my answer to you. I was going to say, I really... I asked the question because I think the main reason we do it is because we... You're going to use... I mean, it's cheaper to make it yourself than to buy it. Well, the food tastes better. Well, of course the food tastes better, but it's also more efficient. You're taking the bones of a chicken Uh that you bought at the farmer's market, which is likely going to cost more than anything we might even consider buying at the grocery store. Also, I don't know anything about natural at the grocery store's prices. Farmer's market chickens are more expensive than the best chickens at the best grocery store in town. Okay. But you're going to take that and then you're going to... And that's just a ball. That's left just, that's just and a you talked game. about this. We talked about this the other day, the instant pot and having the ability to make... But okay, take vegetable. Now you're talking about vegetable bouillon. All of the stuff that you cut off of an onion, right. carrot, garlic, Ce- cel- all of it, all of it, celery, celery, anything except for your your broccoli, like your your stinky species. Yeah, your your. Uh, now you're gonna make me think of the word I can't think I, of. All I, of a sudden, I, I screwed you up. You did, but anyways, Brachiosaurus. No. Brasilia. No, it, uh, brassicas. There you go. Brassicas. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that but, family I would not put into a vegetable broth. There you go. Or a chicken broth. Because it smells like fart when they're done. Well, it's not just that. It's, it, <laughs> it, 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 the, the flavor comes out in a way that doesn't enhance yeah. the broth. Ultimately, the end of the story is the reason, in my opinion, to make to not buy vegetable bouillon cubes is why would you do that to yourself when every time you cut up something, you can throw it into a freezer bag, and then whenever you're ready to... Yeah. And you actually pull some of that stuff out and throw it in your um, chicken broth too, right? Hey, listen, honey... If you want me to go into how we what we do with a chicken in this house, I'm ready to do it. I don't think that we should because Anyways. last week's episode was seven hours long. Seven? Close. D. Okay. Seventy? Seven, <laughs> Seventy billion people. Uh, okay, so the winter squash soup recipe, number one. I saw that bouillon and I said, and I went out to we our We do freezer. a lot of raspberrying w- on this. <laughs> I, went, I went to our, our, our freezer outside in the garage, our broth freezer, if you will, and pulled out some fresh broth to use instead. We have an entire freezer for broth. Sometimes I put a... I have, it's got broth and beer. It is. Well, not in the freezer. 
<laughs> Keep the beer down below and the broth up above. Uh, the the the. I sometimes I will put a call out on Facebook. I've got too much broth. B Y O C. Bring your own container and take some broth home. And people. <laughs> then it called for a big sprig of rosemary. Now this was a Vitamix soup, meaning I took everything and stuck it in the Vitamix to uh, blend it, it to all. Blend. Up. Yeah, blend it. Vitamix for life, baby. I Ride did, or die. I did hold back. <laughs> Are we talking about your tattoos now? I, I, I did hold back some of that squash to saute and chunk into the soup so that there were a couple of firm yes, bites. Yes, I, I liked that a that lot. That was my touch. And you added... That was my idea and my touch. You're welcome. Are you already talking about the, the, the what you added that was extra? Well, no, I mean, it was the squash, but rather than just make it purely blended, I had held, I held some back to you pour You held it. some back, I but held then you some. held other stuff back. Go on, go on. I'm not going to cut you off I, on your lovely story. I just wanted to say that the <laughs> rosemary sprig was from our backyard. Yes, it was. you got a garden back there that we haven't talked about much. I think sage came from my backyard that night, too. And the other thing that I thought was great that I'd never done before. Bay leaves. Bay leaves came from our backyard. They do. They always Sorry, do. Sorry, taking credit. Just it, saying. No, not taking credit. That's how mm-hmm. we eat. I, I love mean, it. it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I do. I, and, and that's, you'll be, you'll be in there and I'll be in the kitchen. Hey, I need dill. Yeah. And we either have it growing or not. And if we don't have it growing, you have it drying in our drying closet. Because in addition to our broth freezer, there is also a herb drying closet. In well. <laughs> Literally an herb drying closet. And I closet. like it better when these things just kind of come out here and there. We sprinkle <laughs> in the facts of how crazy we are. <laughs> we will post that recipe on our social media. And you should definitely try this one at home. And then I'm going to pass it on along to our, the next thing that we're going to talk about. Because it sounds like we're going to talk about this soup for a little bit longer. Later. Yes. Yeah, because I grew that tromboncino. So that being said, let me ask you, what was the best conversation that you found yourself in this past week? Well, almost every time, my stories are almost always going to fall back to something that happened with the kids. So once a week, we go watch my daughter play volleyball. That's right. She's been playing volleyball since I think like sixth grade. My Lillian tends to be very good at any sport she chooses to like really put herself into. She's just, she's naturally athletic. She's naturally athletic. She always has been since, since age three at gymnastics. She just, and she's very physically capable. And so she's been really good and enjoying this whole volleyball adventure in her life. And so every um, Tuesday night we go to a volleyball game and sometimes we have to drive way far out of town because... The kids go to a small school, and so they have to find other small schools in the district. And sometimes I travel with my mom. Sometimes it's traveling. Sometimes it's here in town event. At her school. Yes, at her school. And so in those situations, we end up with my mom, who's almost always there, you and Savannah. My daughter. Often, you know, the four of us. Because after the volleyball game is over with. It's late. Yeah, we, we've already, like, we've, we've worked until a certain time, then we went straight from work to volleyball game, now it's late, what are we going to do? And we're not eating the concession stand food. <laughs> what, the Cheetos or the well, they, they microwave do, popcorn? Th- well, no, the microwave part. They do, con- they do um, Chick-fil-A, though, too, so, I mean, I suppose, like, worst case scenario. I mean, it is an answer for people that are I, very I just, busy. It's going just back, not my answer. Going back to the last episode, I just want to make sure that the worst case scenario, you're going to eat a Chick-fil-A chicken N- sandwich? No, okay. I'm not. No, not for me. I got it. But for other people, Understood. that's definitely something that's an option. Well, I... You know what? Uh, I want to chase a little rabbit here. Oh, boy. No, I better not. 
Well, just a little rabbit. Okay, I'm gonna put my thumb. I'm gonna put my thumb to the side, and I'm gonna give you a thumbs up or thumbs down about whether or not we should do this. Go ahead. Um, I was out sitting eating Indian food by myself one day the other day. Yeah, I'll go with it. Yes, I'll, and, I'll and, allow this. And and right next door to me, the people talking, the guy was telling a story about how someone eats a Chick Fil A and how. By his morals, he will not eat Chick-fil-A. Is morals the right way to say it? Yeah, I don't probably, think he said morals. Probably ethics. Ethics. Ethically, I can't eat a there Chick-fil-A. Are, there are folks that have problems with some of Chick-fil-A's. Anyways, ethics. so it's a Tuesday night, and we've gotten done with the J. My daughter plays on the JV volleyball team. Mm-hmm. And we're going to um, have dinner with my mom and Savannah and you. And we go out to a chain restaurant that has big screens again it's hard to get over but go ahead yeah what's hard to get over you in a chain restaurant we've discussed this ad nauseum well there's certain chain restaurants that just give better options for diet odd diets different diets certainly in corpus christi if you're in austin i hate to say that that's true if you're in austin or boston you can probably find lots of local restaurants that cater to special diets austin or boston i like it i love austin and boston but in Corpus Christi, the most likely chances you're going to get with special diet needs are actually at the chain restaurants. And that's just because they're bigger corporate restaurants that are coming from cities where those things are needed. And they also chase broad, fully American trends. And if, you know, so you're going to find, yeah, you're, you're right. right. You're absolutely right. You're most likely to find a vegetarian option if that's what you're after or a grain-free option if that's what you're after in our town at a chain place. So we're sitting there and there are big screens and I will tell you, it doesn't matter whether it's a chain or a local place, everything in Corpus Christi has a screen for sports. <laughs> Restaurants want you to watch TV. Screens for sports. Make, make it feel um, more like home. Well, I mean, I suppose looking up from your, from your telephone, your, your screen on your telephone, you know, whatever. We're sitting at the table on the screen is the Texas A&M University. I've mentioned before, that's where our boys go to school. One of the girls that graduated from the school that our boys and my daughter, Lillian, went to is a player on the college volleyball team at Texas A&M University. On TV? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She was on ESPN, girls volleyball. Really, the conversation was just about girls volleyball and talking about how that works. And, you know, some we, we're always talking about, like, that's not a sport that we know much about, you know? Like, I don't know the rules. I just clap. I've As I've watched more and more, I have noticed that my daughter is a really good player. She's one of the stars on the team. And when she's not out there playing, you can tell. I wish she was in here to answer some questions. Are you a setter or are you a back line or are you a blah 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 she serves really well yeah every once in a while she'll make a big blub but mostly she is a really she can serve really well we're talking about that we're watching college volleyball we're talking about whether volleyball is a thing whether it is popular or whatever and it, and it actually made me think of a couple of stories one is that we're listening to a lot of different podcasts just to get you know ideas on how to do this best and I listened to a podcast the other day where I was talking about that volley, girls volleyball should actually be, not just girls, but indoor volleyball, but definitely girls because girls is different than boys. Girls volleyball is really entertaining. And you've been watching it. And my dad showed up and started watching it last night. And oh, He's going to support his granddaughter no matter well, what. Well, I know, but it's interesting that the way that we talk about it, it's just, it's fast And so this podcast that I was listening to was making jokes about how girls volleyball, indoor volleyball should or should not be one of the three main sports of America. 
but everything they were talking about was legit. Like it's a fun game. It's fast. There's always something happening and you can see some really powerful plays happening the whole time. And so I just thought that was interesting listening to, you know, the idea that that volleyball hasn't maybe been a big sport. I didn't play volleyball and I played everything else. Volleyball is like the only thing I didn't play. Was volleyball play. available? Volleyball was available. Why didn't you play that one? I don't know. I never even tried it. I never even tried it. I played did basketball. It, I played soccer. I, play, I swam. I track. I never played volleyball. Did it volleyball. run concurrent with a different sport you were playing? Nope. It didn't. I just didn't. It wasn't something I was interested in. And I think it was because it wasn't a thing. And interestingly, volleyball has become more of a thing. And they have these club teams. And Lily played on the club team last year. And her school has been pretty successful, clearly, because she's got, they've got a Division One player from her school yeah, that that's, was that's big stuff. you know a couple of only a couple of years older than her right they've got a good team they've got good coaches so in that podcast and then I'll often, I'll often a lot of times if you're talking about indoor volleyball then people immediately jump to beach volleyball right where you just have two people whereas in indoor volleyball you have i don't know eight people six people isn't that horrible that uh, i don't even know i watch it once there a week are six on the court six on, on the court. a team there's six on a court but in beach volleyball there's only two on each side in this podcast, they were making jokes about really the only thing good about beach volleyball is just how people dress. And of course, that's the thing that you all talk about is like, not you all, but maybe I've noticed a lot of people talk about the, sh the tiny little bikinis and, you know, all of the things that we're in about. Then it made me think after this whole conversation at the table about volleyball and I started thinking about, well, like, well, what's the story with that? When I was in college, I dated a guy that was him and they, he was really tall. Him and his best friend played beach volleyball. So everywhere we would travel all around, you know, Texas, we would always go into like these beach volleyball games or whatever. And I just remembered that being an interesting thing. And then I remembered that he threatened to shave my eyebrows off whenever <laughs> I fell asleep. So. Sounds like a delightful boyfriend. <laughs> was, yeah. Hot that dude was, playing sand volleyball. Pretty much that but, was the end of it. Like if you break up with me, I'm going to shave your eyebrows off. And I was wow. like, I think I'm done with this. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> so a little while ago before we got this kicked off, I, I called out to Lillian. Hey, tell me. I just wanted to know a little bit more about volleyball and, and does she pay attention to it? And I actually have noticed that she is, you know, I hear her talking about college ball. And so I asked her who was number one, you know, in college volleyball which schools yeah got it and interestingly enough she said that it it kind of depends but what she said was the state ranked school was baylor i thought that was good sure i mean you know because you're from baylor well i went to baylor you went to baylor no comment you were there I, a long time well, i was grad school and undergrad but i, I, I well i don't want to talk about sports that. was fun right Oh, God, Baylor. no, not when I was there. <laughs> a lot of people no. I went to high school with went to Baylor, like for, for sports. Sports yeah. was a big, like they gave a lot of scholarships for sports. Yeah, no, not nah. interested in talking about Baylor. I'm not, I'm not taking Baylor bait right now. <laughs> and then Stanford, and then she said, of course, University of Texas is her favorite, and she likes to watch them. So anyways, I thought that was a fun conversation. Just, you know, volleyball is almost always a dinner conversation at our table. Uh, yeah. Any, any sport or activity that the kids are currently doing is up on the list. Well, and Savannah played volleyball when she was little for a little while. Right. And the boys both played soccer and basketball and football. And, I mean, over the years, not 
not tra- track a little bit. Track, you know. But whatever, volleyball so. is my favorite of ga- the favorite games to go to. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that she's yeah. doing it. It sounds like she's going to do that for the rest of her high school career. That makes me happy. Yeah, it's good. Let's so, let's get back to this soup. Or the question, what was your favorite food of the week that you enjoyed? Well, my favorite food of the week was this amazing squash that we found at the farmer's market. Take my hands and look me in the eyes. How exciting is it that of all the meals that we had, some together, some apart, that meal we shared, and it was both our favorites this week. That's completely awesome. Wait until you see the picture, and then you're going to know why it's both our favorites. Go ahead. I was confused. You looked excited. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way. baby. <laughs> so we, so, so yeah. Get out with a tromboncino. Now, I didn't, I did realize, but let me, let me, let me, let me pretend for the podcast that can, I didn't. You grew this squash? No, can we, listen. Go ahead. Can, can I tell you the story, the whole thing? So. I don't think I can stop you. Okay, Go ahead. So, <laughs> so my team harvests for the farmer's market on Wednesdays. And I got a text message from Tevin. One of my staff members who is amazing with working with kids and knows about the garden and is at the farmer's market. And I love Tevin. He sent me this text and he says, do you know what that squash is on your whatever fence line? Because I, I contribute to our, we have a learning garden. It's actually called the learning garden at Tom Graham Park. It's a project of the organization that I run. We grow there. And I have grown there and I have put a lot of plants in and I've talked about my health enough, but I will tell you that my health has, health has affected me gardening recently. And so I'm kind of having to slowly go back into it. So I'm focusing more on my backyard and less on the bigger project at the garden. But my, my garden that I started, that I planted is still there, even with as little tending your, your as Your section of the learning garden. Yeah, and they're doing I'm stuff over you. there, but they're not taking out the stuff that was being successful. And I had this beautiful squash plant that I just kept moving around and twisting up into the trees and letting go in all different directions. And I get this text and Tevin's like, what's the squash? I said, Tevin, I have no idea what squash, what does it look like? So then he sends me this picture and I hope, well, you know, we're going to post lots of pictures, but it's this super long, like sprawling thing. And I'm like, <gasps> it's, it's a yard long, this squash, the full size, the one if that you, we I mean, brought home you can, to cook. They had some little ones. You can have them all different sizes, but yeah, I, I, I just never seen a squash that long. Before. Long. Yeah. Yeah. And like a big um, noodle. <laughs> like a big something. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to take that bait. I can't stop. Anyways, <laughs> it's a tromboncino. <laughs> Anyways, he sends me this picture. It's hanging off the fence. It's super long. So I run to my seed packets from last season. And without a doubt, I had, per- well, I don't know if I purchased the seeds or if Girl Local purchased the seeds. But either way, they were in my hands, that this particular variety. And I had planted some starts. And I remembered it from the farm. There actually were some that were doing pretty good on the farm as well. And, and so I was like super excited about it. So I said, you know, make sure you show me those at the farmer's market so I can grab. I bought a couple of them at the farmer's market. And that's when we ended up into this recipe. I'm just so excited to taste the squash that immediately when we get home from the farmer's market, I'm ready to cook it. I'm ready to tell you how to cook it. I was going to say, I'll take that bait. <laughs> you had forced me. No, I think I actually said I would go this time i don't like to go to the grocery store very often and you probably prefer when i don't go because i spend we, we spend more money when i go there's an aceland tax at the grocery store <laughs> when you attend 
So, but he had gotten me to go, and so we went through but the produce section. But it makes me happy session, because you have all the things that you want. And I bought this beautiful poblano pepper. You did. Yes, and I had said keep mushrooms on hand because we mushrooms are. We have started keeping mushrooms at home more often. They're a little recently. They're a little meaty, right. and they absorb the flavor. And I just love mushrooms. And I just love mushrooms. All a hundred percent of our kids hate mushrooms, but I love mushrooms. It's so odd, right? That's a texture thing. I don't even understand it. They also don't like avocado. Like that makes no. I wasn't an avocado fan until I was an adult. I couldn't live without cucumbers and avocados and other things too, but definitely, <laughs> definitely those. Then he blended it all up, and we just started like coming up with how we're gonna do it. And the poblano got roasted. And it got blended, and then you, um, the mushrooms, you actually just took out a few of the mushrooms and you sauteed them with the squash. So that was the chunky stuff that went in it. Right. And you serve that alongside a nice, thick, beautiful pork chop. Yep. That soup, Joe, was really good. It was tasty. It had a good flavor. Are there, did any leftovers make it to the freezer? No, because I ate it them. It all got eaten. Here, okay, here's a question. I'm going to pose this to the audience. The only problem I had with the soup it was so thin. It was like water thin. Well, because I I think we ended up using the the recipe that we ended up using was more for the winter squash well, than still, the summer squash. Still though, whenever you I, I mean I there's a there's thin soups and then there's thicker soups. I prefer a thicker. Well, soup. Well, I think if it ha, if that particular and I couldn't squash, throw, I couldn't throw cornstarch in it because well, of the grain thing. I think that if that that particular type of squash had it been the full matured area, it would have been a thicker soup yeah. than what we chose. When a vegetable is younger, it has more water in it. Well, I buy that, but still, you can. Well, either gas, way, when gastro... you made it the next day, when I made it the next day, uh-huh. I just chopped that pork chop up that was left, uh-huh. and then took some of those noodles that I've mentioned before, that the, the black, black bean, bean noodles. Yeah, those are good. Put those in your kitchen. Threw that in there, and it was actually a nice, thick, great soup the next day for us to, you know, whatever. And I threw a big old chunk of yogurt in it. Uh-huh. You know, big blob of yogurt High in it. High five us. We, made, we found and made a delicious soup. I plan to tell people about that squash, growing that squash, and cooking that squash. And that soup that we made was really, really good. So, yeah, it was definitely a good one. Well, so, okay, so tell me what your your story of the week was. Was it, was it as good as the volleyball, the girl volleyball story? My story <laughs> is going to kick your story's ass. Oh, your story... We have mentioned... Always a competition. Always. We have... No, 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 no. This isn't even competitive. Some things just kick other things' asses without competition. (laughs) That's what this is. We have mentioned in a previous episode that we are friends with some restaurateurs. And uh, they own an Italian food restaurant here in town. We'll give them a plug. It's called Bellino. Italian... uh, Bellino Ristorante Italiano. Yeah, we've mentioned them before, so... I told They're you around. that since they are probably going to be recurring characters on this podcast, that we should come up with a name for them, and my name for them is the Italians. No. Except that she's not an Italian. She, yeah. She's, a, she's American. He is Italian. Uh, and moved. They're just beautiful people that we love, and they're some of our best friends. They're, they're if a few I knew, couples we if, hang out with If I with knew regularly. the word for beautiful people in Italian right now, that could the be beautiful there. Beautiful people. That could beautiful be, people. no, that's Marilyn Manson. <laughs> So we're going to, they invited us out to eat because they, at their place, and then to go out for a night on the town because they had one of his, if not maybe his best friend in town, who was a um, basketball player. Played ball with him. 
He yeah. was a professional Italian basketball player, this guy. I love people like this, and, and, and not because you can have a professional Italian basketball player in your life necessarily, but folks <laughs> that have had a robust series of adventures in their lives bring the best stories to the table. So we have an Italian friend of ours coming in. Would you please join us for dinner? And then he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades of cool things. And he, he wants to go to some craft cocktail places and go on a little tour of some craft cocktail places. Yeah. Well, since we had some time to kill, we had a craft cocktail of our own. And then we walked across the street to the restaurant where the wine did flow. And I got to meet this guy whose name I won't say on air because I didn't ask him if I could. But I have told you that I have another podcast. I'd love for you to listen to it. It's called Beer and a Movie. And you can find it wherever you listen to this podcast, most likely. Look for my name on it because there's some that have similar names. I am a movie fan. I'm a movie buff. If I could do it all over again, I would have had the courage to, uh, upon graduation from high school, moved to California, gone to USC or UCLA, and done movie production as a major. It's not a big regret in my life, but if I could do it all over again, that's one of the things I would do. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have had my kids. So, of course, you don't have those kind of regrets in real life. But I have peripherally enjoyed knowing as much as I could about movies. And the podcast, as you can imagine, is about craft beer and movies with more emphasis on movie reviews than the craft beer part. This guy's job in Italy is, to, and this is my favorite conversation of the week, because of course it is, because here I am talking to someone in the film industry, albeit the Italian film industry. His job is to coordinate the dubbing. Because I, I did a bunch of research on this after we, I met with him, after we talked all that night. Well, and I think that it was lovely that Susan actually invited us because she thinks we're interesting characters and she thought that we would think he was an interesting character too i liked that how did we do oh <laughs> i'm definitely an interesting character <laughs> in italy when they receive foreign films american films american films are the one of our largest exports when it comes to money produced overseas we're huge in china we're huge in asia we're huge i mean all across asia asia and of course even in europe our movie stars, The Rock, currently, people like Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, they are huge. Nicolas Cage still has a huge career, not in America so much any longer, but overseas. His money, his movies still make money. But in Italy, they prefer, and I've done the research as to, there's two or three reasons why this is the case, to dub the films in Italian to show them rather than subtitle them. There's a movie coming out, Beer in the Movie, I'll talk a little bit about some movies. Parasite. It's a new uh, Korean film. I believe it's Korean. I hope I'm not wrong. Film coming out that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And we're going to talk about that on the other show. That will be a subtitled film. It'll be in, in its native language and subtitled. I, I have a problem with subtitles a little bit too. You keep subtitles on on all the English shows that we watch. It annoys the, it annoys me. I know. Well, I know but because I, because sometimes I can't understand people. And also because sometimes I can't hear very good. What? I can't. <laughs> good job. Thank you. But also like when we're watching, like I guess because I've learned to watch the subtitles in English, I'm getting better at watching subtitled movies. But I hate it that sometimes I want to watch a movie, Amelie, uh -huh. or whatever. There's a lot of them. And I'm just like irritated at myself because I can't stay focused on screen long enough. Like staring to, at the, to read. To read it the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't want to read it the whole time. So, But imagine if you didn't have Pan's Labyrinth in your life. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. And like I said, Amelie. So I'm going to cut it short because I'd like to get to the game. We're going to talk about when we might and might not do the game. 
it was just fascinating to talk to someone who's in the movie business. Yeah. I used to do a different podcast before and we took a big break and then a few of us came back together and added a few folks for the beer and a movie podcast. It's called the movie hour. And one of my greatest triumphs right before we quit doing it because we couldn't monetize and it, we had young kids and it was just not the right time to continue doing it. But we did that podcast more toward the beginning of the podcast boom in uh, America. And we got on the lists of all of the, the American film companies and they were sending us screeners and they were inviting us to premieres. But we're just three guys in Corpus Christi that don't have excess money to jet off to some cool premiere in LA or New York. Until we got invited to the premiere of Inglorious Bastards. And we're all Tarantino freaks. And we figured out how to get to L.A. and be a big-time movie critic in a junket for Inglorious Bastards. And we got to interview Eli Roth and Christoph Waltz and Lawrence Bender. And we saw Quentin Tarantino for five seconds. And saw Harvey Weinstein, which has kind of got a weird coda now to the (laughs) end of that story. But I, I love film. I love that art. I love the other podcasts that I do. And anytime I can talk with an interesting person that's that's even peripherally involved in that that industry that's going to be the best conversation of the week yeah and, and, and it he, was and he and, and he had a lot of interesting stories oh to tell. and then we went and drank some more craft cocktails afterwards and i guess we should stop night. the story there it was a fun night it was a very fun night somebody recognized me as someone that ran for mayor i think that that was a good that was good timing that that occurred too oh so odd so yeah. odd. Yeah. Okay, so we have had a conversation that at the end of every episode, we play a little game. Table topics. Table topics. <laughs> we have decided also that the length of these episodes is very important. We don't want them to be too, too long. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I see you pull a card and say you're not going to do it? It's no good. Try- okay, what's the question that's no good? What's your favorite story about an ancestor? Yeah, that's no good. We're around 40 minutes in, and we want to keep these between 30 and 40. We're going to go quick? Yeah, this is good. We can do this one really good. Okay, I think it's your turn to ask me first. So the the game is easy. There's a big box of cards, and one of us pulls one at random. We have not not rehearsed any of this. I have no idea what you're about to ask me. What's your favorite ride at an amusement park? The answer is simple. This is so easy. The best (laughs) ride ever created, ever created. I don't care how tall that new roller coaster is. I don't care how big the dip is of that new water slide. I don't care how cool that virtual reality thing is the best ride ever invented you tell you know my answer no i don't the zipper oh the zipper that's right it you is ride a the carnival zipper. ride it's you those, those pop-up carnivals or maybe you have a festival in your town where the, they bring in the, the big the carnival. <laughs> the zipper is the best ride ever invented i will post a thousand videos on our social media about the zipper and when i win the lottery i'm gonna have a zipper in my backyard all right, Ace, on your turn. What's the best ride? What we're going to have a zipper in our yard when we win the lottery? If I win the lottery and we live when, on... When we win the lottery, we're going to have a zipper in our backyard. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to have Michael Jackson money. I'm going to create a little Neverland ranch with all the little rides. And that's it's, where the comparison stops. I was going to say, are you Those really... are rides for adults. Right? What? Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. What's my favorite ride in amusement? I, when I was younger, I used to ride amusement park yeah, rides the all the time. the older you get... I don't like it. We my take, we my take girl our... parts don't stay in the same oh, place God when I ride rides. I'm certain. I'm certain that they, like I've had babies. There's been like entire human beings inside of my body. I think things aren't in the normal place. I'm having place the weirdest use... mental images right now. <laughs> I think I could answer it for you because every year no, we. No, don't answer it for me. Every year we take our kids to, the lo- to our local annual big carnival. 
because the kids love it. And uh, I have noticed... I hate that shit. I have noticed over the last few years that your ride involvement is decreasing rapidly. I don't like it. I I don't feel good. I don't like the whole experience of it, but there is one ride. And even... Okay. When we went to Santa Cruz, when we went to Old Orchard Beach, we go ride some Ferris wheel. Damn it. I already said it. Is that what you would have guessed? No. That's my favorite ride. No, because I was thinking extreme rides. But of Fer- course, Ferris wheel I, is yes, my ride. Of course, the Ferris, Ferris wheel. wheel. I want to ride the Ferris wheel anywhere. Yeah. I want to ride the biggest Ferris wheel in the entire world. I like to look. I like to see. I want to be at the top looking. I will tell you, speaking of that, being one of the things from the last week's where we talked about Europe, uh-huh. when Savannah was talking about going to Paris right. and the Eiffel Tower, Right. I let some kind of weird anxiety that I had decided when I was 16, I did not go to the top. I would, could you imagine that I didn't go to the top of the Eiffel Tower? Only if you'd have a fear. You have to take me back to Europe. Only you have if to you take have a to... fear of heights that I isn't have... ride related. That's, that's more, I... that is more like an elevator straight up. No, Maybe I Maybe ha- the Ferris wheel I... makes it more. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So I... that's a regret, huh? Yes. So you have to take me to Paris and okay. take me to the top of the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. All right, hold on. Let me call, and, let me call Southwest Airlines. And oh. isn't there a big Ferris wheel somewhere? Ferris wheel, like a huge one I was going to say Australia, that if, maybe? If, if at the beginning of every episode we're going to answer unknown questions, un, unanswered questions from the previous episode. We can find out. Where is the tallest Ferris wheel in the world? If I had to guess, I know that Paris has some badass one. I would guess that that's it. Okay, so you're going to take me there too, to that, the biggest Ferris wheel in the world. So I can like sit at the top, and you know what? It wouldn't even. If freak. we die, I would, I would be excited if I was the one that got stuck at the top. If we die, I would love to see it. Without you and I going to Paris together, that will be a deathbed regret because that's my favorite city in the world. Okay, bucket list. There you go. Aislinn right. and Joe are going to Paris. Well, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. I think dinner's done. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had a lovely time. Let's see if we can get the kids to wash the dishes. Kids. Hey, thank you again for joining us at our dinner table. If we said during this last episode that we'd share something with you, you can find it at Our Dinner Table Talks on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're on Twitter, it's dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com for all of the latest information and send us an email there at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We so look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.